The Deep Dive with Nick Baby. Welcome to the Deep Dive with Nick Babel. I'm your host, Nick Babel. Today, my guest is my longtime friend and all things supernatural enthusiast, Adam Seaman. Adam, welcome back to the pod. Hey. Our third episode together. Uh, today, we are going to be talking, you guessed it, about ghost or supernatural related experiences that, that each of us have had um and with me i have a few you know little ones and the real good ones are my dad's stories so um since he's never going to do a podcast I'm, i'll tell him i'll tell the stories um adam's had a few haunting experiences as well probably more you know in-person ones than I, i've had um and then we're going to do a deep dive and we're each going to tell one of our favorite, you know, real life famous haunting uh, or ghost stories, but, you know, supposedly real stories. So, uh, Adam, I think you've, your experiences have been a little more compelling than mine. Um, and I want to talk about um, our stories before I tell my dad. So what's, what's, what's your first one? Go ahead. Well, uh, hmm. there's so many. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell the one um, that involves you first. Yes, good place to start. Okay, so one day, uh, me and Nick decided, I don't know who decided, who knows, but uh, let's go to the cemetery and hang out. Sweet. I know. Let's go downtown and get some snacks first. Yeah, sounds great. So we did. Me and Nick walked downtown, grabbed some snacks. I don't know, little Debbie snack cakes and soda or some damn thing. Yeah, yeah. something like that. I decided that time that I was going to bring the boombox, and I was playing some God Smack. So uh, we walk up, you know, walk down Main Street, walk up uh, two twenty two. And we start walking up Clark Street, and we get to the entrance of the cemetery. And so this is like, uh, so on your left is the the holding vault, I think. I don't even know if they still use it or not, but it's there. And then just after that is the dirt entry. And uh, so we turn in there. And we are walking in there, and you're ahead of me. I'm in the back here in the front. And I got my God smack going, and I, I look up, and I don't know, maybe less than 100 yards. I see this guy, and he's wearing, I don't know, it seemed like he was wearing, like, dress pants. And like, uh, I thought it was like a, like a gray wife beater. See, I thought you told me, you know, not to interrupt, but I remember you telling me that he was wearing overalls. Overalls? That he looked like a, like a farmer. Like you would have thought it was like a, 
out of time farmer. Then he had overalls on. You did say the wife beater thing and and a hat. That's what I remember you telling me. Wow. That blows my mind. Is it totally different from how you remember? It's different from what I remember. Yeah, I know. Now you're getting ahead of the story. You're spoiling the story. See, because I I remember thinking he looked like Andrew Q. (laughs) Nanan. You know, the, the, the serial killer? Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what the guy, that guy looked like, but I do know the name. This is the guy that killed that fashion dude. Yeah, down in Florida. Yeah. Um, no, I thought of I thought it was like a like dress slacks and the wife beater, but no, man, like almost like um, like he was dressed down from like the the twenties or thirties or something like that. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know. Now I don't know. I thought I was sure, but now I'm not sure. <laughs> but the you know, memories aren't perfect, but the way I'd always remembered it is that you had said I very clearly remember the overalls. We both agree on like the wife beater shirt. You did definitely did say that. And you said um, you said that he did look out of time, that he looked like 30s or yeah, like dressed down, not dressed up, but dressed yeah. down. But anyways. Okay, sorry. Um, well, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, I see this guy, and he's, like, standing. I don't know if he's standing. It looked like he was standing at a grave. But he was kind of um, – he had his head down. He had his hands together, and he's just kind of standing there, you know, looking down. He didn't notice us. Um, <clears throat> you know, and – just for like background, you know, we're listening to Godsmack. We're both metalheads, you know. I I took it maybe a little further. I was like a goth, you know, and you know the stereotype, you know, is that we're not like I don't know, nice people, I guess. Especially back then. Yeah. Not so yeah. much now. But. You're rebels and everything, and you know, but uh. That's not the case. And uh, I saw this guy, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, turn down the music. Got to be respectful, you know. So that's what I did. I turned down the music. Do you remember me turning down the music? I do. I I remember I was not looking in that direction. I was just like straight following the path. I don't know what I was into or, you know, what I was thinking or anything. I do remember you turned down the music and sorry to interrupt. I mean, no, you're fine. I remember you go, you made a note. You said something like, Hey, stop, stop. And like, you got my attention. And then do you remember what's, what's your recollection? (laughs) I don't remember that. See, I remember you got my attention and you're like, you see that guy? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, so, okay, so, you know, I, I turn the music down, and so right now, you know, on Zoom, I'm looking, I mean, I, like, um, I'm looking, uh, I don't know, I'm looking over here to my left, but I can still see you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can see you in my peripheral. I can see my fingers moving. So that's what I'm doing. I'm looking down. I'm, like, looking at your feet, but I can see him in my peripheral up here. He starts walking toward us coming out of the cemetery as we're walking in. I was like, okay, you know, and 
you know, I'm watching them, I'm watching them, I'm watching them, and then I go to look up to, like, acknowledge them, you know, hi, whatever, and there's just nobody there. And there was no cars. I mean, it was the, it must have been a summer day if we were. It was. Um, I remember it was nice. Sure it was. It was the middle it of the day. It was nice. Yeah. It was the middle of the day, too, which is weird for, you know, you think cemetery at night or at dusk or, you know, it was middle middle of the day. Yeah, right in the middle of the day. And, yeah, I don't know if what I remember is just stopping dead in my tracks. Kind of like, I don't know, like took the air out of me. I was like, wow, like trying to comprehend, like, whoa, like, whoa, because I wasn't. You know, it's not like I was looking for something. I just thought there was a dude, you know, and then there was no dude. So, yeah, that's when I got your attention. And I was like, Billy, did you, did you not see that guy? You said no. Yeah. Oh, and for the podcast, um, we always call each other Billy or William. I have no idea where we got it from. Even we though just decided. Like, no, we just decided to. That's the only reason. Weird teenage thing. We decide, and we still do it as adults. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. if he refers to me as Billy or, or William, that's we do that. So, no reason. <laughs> yeah, no reason. There's no reason. That's the point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. P- pick it up from there. What do you remember? Yeah, so I remember, I do remember you stopping, and but I remember you saying, like, hey, you know, hey, Billy, did you see, like, you were, pan- you were almost panicked, and I remember, I'm like, no, nah, there's nobody here, like. Yeah, I remember you being, about? yeah, I remember you, yeah. I'm like, there's nobody here, it's midday, and it's not like, especially that part of the cemetery, that's not the fresh part of the cemetery. That's not where they're putting new people. That's like the early 1900. That's kind yeah. of fun. That's kind of interesting too. That's like the early 1900s part of the. Yeah, cemetery. it was near. It was well, it was older than that even. Yeah, some parts it is. There. It is that like uh, a little further down into the corner. That's the oldest part. Right, know? but even that's not that old. Right, early 1800s is I think is the oldest grave in there. I think thought there was a 1700s one, but well, born I think, but not yeah. died. Um, so I remember that, and you're like, you're like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? And then uh, you kind of started running, not away. You were running like in the direction you'd seen him to see. Because another thing, people obviously that don't know the cemetery, it's a little hilly, especially in that section. There's a little. Yeah peaks and so you kind of ran up off the path up to where you could see if anybody had you know ducked down or something or and I followed you and there was absolutely nobody no person in the cemetery that's that's I remember that I mean like I said he was right there And I looked up to acknowledge him, and there was nobody there. That's the only time I ever saw anything. Okay, so experience. This is a good segue into one of another one that's 
and you, you should remember this one too. This is another shared experience we had. The mausoleum recording. Yes, the EVP. It's a Goodyear mausoleum. Yeah, Goodyear. There's a. It's the biggest mausoleum in that cemetery, I believe. It's the only mausoleum. The only mausoleum in the cemetery. Yeah, and um, you know, we, this was probably the beginnings of Ghost Hunters time. Yeah, and we were getting into that and stuff, and. Um, a bunch of us went to that mausoleum. It was me, you, and Kurt. Yeah. And maybe Andrew. I think Andrew and Mike. I think it was, it was the a, guys. Yeah, it was like the whole one of the like the whole group went there. Now that does lend to noise pollution, but no. Nah. No. So what we did was we put the EVP recorder and we left. We yeah, set but- it down. Did we leave, leave, or did we just... We went to a different part of the cemetery, I think, is my recollection. I mean, we probably didn't just, like, leave it there. We just went some other spot or maybe in the field over there or whatever. And then, um, I don't know how long, 40 minutes, half hour, it doesn't necessarily even matter. Not that long. Um, we went back, and we were listening to it, and uh, what do you remember it sounding like? Honestly, because I've gotten EVPs from there since, so I don't remember. It sounded like a woman singing to me. This is my memory of it. It Like a light singing and almost like a violin in the background playing like a little. And it was it was soft, but it wasn't quick. It was like a. It was fairly, it wasn't just like a, uh, uh, you know, noise. It was, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Right. You know, and it was like for a few seconds. At least. This was on Kurt's old Kurt's, voice yeah. recorder, the, the little mini tapes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Which, by the way, he, I think he lost it, didn't he? Yeah, maybe, probably, or he he couldn't find, he couldn't Remember find. He's got it. the tape, but he couldn't. I don't know. He's he had trouble finding like new technology to run the old technology on. Right. So we play it back. Got... What's that? I wonder if he still has it. Yeah, that's something to ask him. Yeah. yeah. So we played it back, and most of it was quiet. You know, I don't. Cars didn't go up that road a terrible amount especially Uh, not really in the day and you know nobody else was there busy and that was the only sound i remember hearing on that whole time we were gone recording and i remember do you remember what kurt's explanation was though because he's Mm. hardcore skeptic back then yes um he's like well we were i had some music recorded on this before and we recorded over it so maybe it's some bleed through you know or whatever and i guess that's plausible i don't know i'm i'm definitely more skeptical than you are but kurt's more skeptical than we are i'm not a a tech technical expert so i yeah for sure but it just seemed weird that it was just that one it's not like we kept hearing right. music breaking through. Right. 
and it wasn't on the beginning of the recording or the end. It was just like in it. That's not the only time I ever got anything from there. So, um, do you know Jesse Minor? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, me and him would go up there. And uh, so, to describe to you where we put it, I'm talking to the audience now. Um, So, there's a stained glass window in the back of the mausoleum, and it was broken. And it had like a, you know, like an old school, like, like bars on the window and we would just set the recorder right there on the bars right in that hole and you know introduce ourselves and talk to the people inside as if they're right there you know and invite them to talk and do whatever you know so um was this digital recording at this time yeah this is a digital recorder so yeah, we would just, you know, and we we would do that and we would walk away to like the first little hill and we'd sit there within sighting, you know, vision range where we could see it. And we'd just sit there and we wouldn't talk 10, 20 minutes, not not long, you know. And um, then we'd know, you know, if there was a car going by or if someone walked by, we would know because we'd see it, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there were some times, and it was, it was obvious, you know, on the recording. You, know, you could hear him walk by or whatever, you know. But uh, plenty of other weird things. So um, one time, it sounded like an old man. And uh, it sounded like, it was like this. It was like, come and lie down with her. Oh. I don't know if that's, you know, and there was a crow crowing after it. So maybe somehow it was the crow, but I had to make it sound creepier, though. <laughs> well, it was, it was, it was. It's very it was like a, like how it just did it. Come and lie down with her. I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, another time, it was a uh, sounded like a young girl, and it was like Jessica. What's that? Hmm. You could say, well, that's someone who must have found the voice recorder and came up on it and said, hey, Jessica, what's that? But again, we were sitting right there. There was no people. Yeah. I mean, EVPs can be interesting, definitely. I mean, they're not, like, going to make true believers of anybody, but... Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's more more interesting if you're there. Yeah, definitely. Because then you get to experience... You know, nobody being there, nobody being there, and complete silence, and yet you still recorded voices. You know, All right? Then you, now you got to deal with that. Yeah. So what's your next one? Well, um, I grew up in a haunted house. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, three hundred three East Cortland Street, Groton, New York. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, haunted, you know. Uh, I don't know if it still is, but uh, sure was when I was growing up in it. And you were young when you lived there, right? Yeah. So I don't know. We moved to the trailer park in '94, so early '90s. 
Yeah. Maybe the late 80s. I'm not sure how long we were there for. But, um, yeah, I don't know. All the standard typical stuff. Bumps in the night. Wrappings on the walls. Footsteps. Sounded like balls bouncing, but I don't think there ever was any balls. Um, cold spots. Feeling of the, the house just just like, you know, unfriendly, not welcoming, not comfortable. Was this stuff that everybody kind of noticed? Oh, yeah. Except, I think except dad. Dad was the total stereotypical father figure in a haunted house movie. Just didn't believe it. Oh, ball, oh, whatever, <laughs> you're full of shit. You know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, dad, yeah. And I don't think he, I don't think he ever experienced anything. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he did, and he just kept it to himself, you know. But uh, the culmination of of that was uh, one night, me and my sisters and mom were on the couch watching a Disney movie, and mom saw the uh, basement door like push out from the inside yeah. of the basement, and. Uh, I didn't see it. I'm not sure if my sister saw it, but my mom saw it. And uh, um, she jumped right up out of the couch, got on the phone and called my dad. My dad said, call the police. And she did. And they came up and it was in the wintertime. And, you know, they went down in the basement. They didn't find nobody. Didn't find any signs of forced entry. They didn't find any tracks outside. There's nothing there, you know? Yeah. That's weird. That's definitely weird. I probably had to freak her out. She's I to figured, would, yeah, she jumped right off the couch, and it freaked me out. I didn't know what the hell was going on, you know? But she was yeah. scared. That's a good one. That's that's not just voices. That's like the whole haunted house experience, you know? Yeah, it wasn't fun. It totally um, kick-started my interest, you know? But it definitely was not fun. And I had nightmares. For years. Oh, wow. After about this house, man. Yeah. Especially at that age when you're, you know. For years, I had nightmares. So I got, this one's a minor one. And I think you've heard the story, but not 100%. So um, it was the summer of 2000. Um, Me and my friend Andrew were walking through the cornfield Again, I know it sounds like we were creeps, but the, this town is a nothing small town that we grew up in. There wasn't a lot of places to hang out. So we were headed up to the cemetery. That's where we always hang out. Yeah. And it cemetery was our spot. Most of the time, a lot of the time, this cornfield was like a dead cornfield. It was just like a hay field. Or, but a few years on and off, sometimes they would really grow corn in it. And this was a year that they had corn and it had gotten pretty big. Um, so Andrew, Andrew and I walked all the way up through the cornfield. We get out, just out. We're not even to the cemetery yet. We're, remember, there's like a row of trees. Yeah, that um, dirt road. And a little dirt road. Yeah. And we're just out there, and we both see coming from the other, there was like another farm that was diagonal from like it was kind of right next to the uh, cemetery, but it was kind of diagonal across on the other side the, of the road. 
Um, yeah, there might have been, but the you know the field that was empty usually next to the cemetery across, yeah. you know. So, in the distance, we both see what looked like a big black wolf or dog, but I mean it. It didn't look like a dog, and it was, you know, a decent amount away. And we both saw it. We're walking, and and it was heading like it was getting bigger. It was coming in our direction, and we both stop and we're like, "Do you see that?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Is that a wolf?" And he's like, "You know, we both agreed like that looks like a big black wolf." Now, obviously, in that area, there's no, there's not wolves. There's, um, you know, there could, it could have been a dog, but it was huge. And it was, you know, it went from being barely visible to like, it was getting bigger. And at that point we noped the fuck out of there. We both turned around and we we're like back through the cornfield. And we ran through that thick ass cornfield to like, not see whatever the fuck that was. Cause it was coming at us. It was running. Have you ever, um, Google uh, black dogs. I've yeah, like I've paranormal. heard of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, so that's interesting. I've never heard that before. I'm surprised we never told you that one. Yeah, I mean it was a brief one. It wasn't like there's a lot of other explanations, but it freaked us out. I mean, it wasn't just one of us by ourselves. It was like a mutual like we were both like, oh shit. Well, it's funny because I got one with Andrew too coming up out of the cornfield. Tell it. All right. So he doesn't remember this. I don't know how he does not remember this. I asked him about that one and he remembered it. He's the one that told me the year and the month because he's good at that. He is good at that. Um, yeah. Going, you know, me and Andrew walking through the cornfield, going up to the cemetery. We just turn right and starting to go into the the field might have been the same field on the right yeah yeah but like never has yeah we didn't it. quite make it that far we we're just like hitting the road, dirt road but yeah yeah so we're turning into there and it's the new part of the cemetery and we look up and i i think we both stopped dead in our tracks at the same time and we look up and there's this lady completely dressed in black she had like a, a shroud on her i think and she had stuff all over this grave and we startled her and she saw us packed up all her crap real quick and took off down the road and me and andrew just stood there and watched her, this whole thing unfold you know and i looked at him and he looked at me and we both ran back home hmm. Now, it could have been a grieving woman. It was. I mean, if it was, it was from Victoria area. Hmm. Could have been. I don't know. Yeah, that's a weird one. It was a witch. That's what I think. Yeah, it could be. I think she was doing some necromancy or something, talking to the dead. Or even, you know, if we want to get less dramatic, a Wiccan woman. that, that That was kind of getting big around then. Is necromancy, I think. So that's <laughs> the only. If she was doing magic, she was doing magic with the dead, and that's what that is. That's what that yeah. is. Yeah. You know, but we startled the shit out of her, and she took off. You know, 
I feel like if it was something less benign, she wouldn't have done that. And yet, that wasn't an apparition. That was like a legit. No, that person. was a legit person. Yeah, but I mean, still weird. Yeah, it's still it's weird. Still a, definitely yeah. a supernatural story for sure. Yeah. Um, Andrew, so, Andrew, don't remember that. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. He, I did ask him because about the dog one because I didn't quite remember who I was with. I knew I was with somebody, and I thought it was with him, and he he remembered it. So. Yeah. Now, this those stories, if you think about it, like they're twenty plus years old. That's kind yeah, of fucking weird. Yeah, think about. <laughs> but all right, so this is actually a more recent story, and I, I think you're like one of the only people I told about this when it happened. Um, so, you know, um, you know, not to get in it, in, into it too deep or anything, but you know. And you know, 2014, my stepdaughter passed away. Um, you know, in my house. Um, so, you know, it, this was at this point. It was probably 2016 or 17. I don't remember exactly. Somewhere around that time, and. Um, decided it was going to sell the house, you know, we're going to move somewhere and uh, put, you know, I put the for sale sign out through my realtor and, um, you know, around right when that happened, I started feeling like her presence and it'd been years since she passed and we hadn't just that, feeling had not ever popped up before like and um and i didn't know it at the time right away that but my wife was feeling the same thing and she said to me she said to me somewhere in this she's like you know she's like i've wanted to feel her presence you know all these years but i haven't until like recently until this last month and it's more, you know, like the corner of the eye kind of thing and just the, the, just the feeling. So we're, you know, that's happening. And then one night um, I'm laying down in the recliner in the living room, probably, I think it was a West Coast Yankee game playing Oakland or Anaheim or something because it was late. And I uh, fell asleep in the chair. Now, my wife was already in bed at the time for like hours. She'd been in bed. And um, all of a sudden I hear from the hallway just outside the living room, right next to the bedroom, I hear, Nick, go to bed. And I'm like, and it kind of like woke me up. And I look over there. And I see just very briefly, like somebody walking into the bedroom or like walking out of my view towards the bedroom, like a silhouette almost. And I'm just waking up and I'm like, and, um, you know, for a sec, I was like, I was even like, was this, was this Stephanie? Like I said that like in my head and I'm like, 
no, it was probably my wife went to the bathroom and was yelling at me to shut the TV off and come to bed because I fell asleep in the chair, which was normal. Um, so I, I get up and I, you know, go into the bedroom and my wife is tucked in the blankets, dead asleep. And I'm like, that's weird. You know, if she would have just went back in the room, she'd be just getting back in bed and stuff. And I, I woke her up and I'm like, Hey, did you just call me to come to bed? She's like, what? No. She's like, I'm sleeping. I said, did you just go to the bathroom? And she's like, no, I'm sleeping. Like, leave me alone. And I'm like, so I guess that was it for the story part of it. But um, not long after that, took the house off the market, you know, for financial reasons, decided that it wasn't the right time to move. And pretty much right after we took the house off the market, we both stopped feeling that presence anymore and never nothing like that happened again. And like we said, we both agreed that once we took that for sale sign down, we didn't feel it anymore. So what does that tell you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. She, it's, she, she didn't want change. She's yeah. there and she didn't want you to go. Yeah. It, it's one of those so, things. So, so common. Yeah, it's true. So common, really. And, you know, again, being the skeptical guy, I try to think of alternate things. And, like, you know, when you first wake up, you're, you can get confused with a dream. But it seemed really like somebody, I thought it was her saying, Nick, go to bed. And uh, just, and I, Again, I swear I saw somebody just the silhouette, just briefly, and uh, hey, believe your senses. Yeah, and it was weird. We're, you know, and the thing that gives it more gravitas to me is that we both had had that feeling separately. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like something one of us talked the other one into. It really wasn't. It was like I'd been thinking that, and then somehow we got talking and she brought it up and was saying it. I'm like, that's really weird. So that's, that's about as close to a, a real big supernatural one that, that I had. You know, like I said, that's so common. Yeah. Believe, believe it. Yeah, I do. I do. It's definitely an interesting one. So on to your next one. I got one that's that's probably the weirdest one. Is this the ghost train? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. So, and it's weird because it's not a person, you know? Yeah. So, okay, so this is me and Jesse again. And actually, I got one that kind of ties into it in a way because it happened like soon after, I think. But, uh, so, me and Jesse like to go on midnight strolls. So, at midnight, we would come outside, we'd meet outside, and we'd walk the town for hours. And, um, like I said, I was, I was a goth. 
And uh, so when I, uh, I'm talking, because he lives right across the street, so we're talking on the computer. And we're like, yeah, okay, let's go for a walk, you know? And then uh, he, he barges in and he's like, hurry, hurry, get outside, get outside. And I was like, why, you know? And he wouldn't tell me why, because that's what he, he likes to beat around the bush. And it annoyed me, you know, so I, I didn't hurry up. I took my time. And then I, I met him out there and he's like, did you hear that? And I was like, hear what? He said, the ghost train. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about a ghost train there's no ghost train you're pulling my chain you know he knows i'm into the paranormal he knows i'm into history he knows that i you know uh was actively searching for places in groton that were haunted and i i never heard anywhere of anyone talking about anything like a ghost train <clears throat> you're full of shit <laughs> So <clears throat> leave it at that, and we start walking down the hill. We get to where your house was. And out in the distance, off the cliff, but also, like, toward, like, uh, oh, if I had to put a, a direction, the sound came from anywhere from your house to maybe, like, uh, the end or the the beginning, I guess, of uh, um, Becky's house. Okay. It was just out there in the darkness, you know? Dude. Whatever the hell, you know what yeah. I mean? It was a goddamn train whistle, you know? And we stopped dead in our tracks and we just listened for like I don't know how long it was. Maybe two, three minutes, maybe maybe a little longer. I don't know. We had plenty of time to think about it. You know, so we're just and it didn't stop, you know, it just kept going. The sound didn't travel. It was not a traveling sound. Because you know the road was right there down below. Yeah. It wasn't on the road. It wasn't a semi truck. Weren't no all night truck, you know. Right. Sound didn't travel. Didn't hear no vehicles, in fact. Like I said, it was midnight, you know. Just off in the darkness, just fucking train horn. Over and over. So then I get the idea, hey, let's go down Walpole Road. Maybe we can see something, you know. So we start running. And I don't know. Didn't even get to the bottom of the hill and the, the sound stopped. So I was like, oh, damn, you know, let's go down anyways. You know, we're going to go for a walk. Why not? So we get to Walpole Road, and you know how there's like, let me think in my head here, one, two, like three houses before the the railroad tracks. It's only three houses and the bridge, you know. Well, that um, the second house on the right. There were two guys outside and there were lights on. I was like, hey, you know, let's ask these guys. Maybe they heard it too. Okay. So we walk over there and I'm like, excuse me, sir. And I was like, hey, this is going to be kind of a weird question, but by any chance, did you just hear a train? 
And then he looks down, he shakes his head like this, you know, and he's rubbing his chin. And he's like, <laughs> and he turns to his buddy and he's like, I told you I heard something. And his buddy goes, maybe it was the ghost train. <laughs> I was like, what the, you know, that just blew my mind. Mainly because this guy said word for word, the ghost train, as if he knew about a ghost train too, you know? Right. I didn't hear about, no, where the hell have I been, you know? So you got two people up in the trailer park. You got two people on Walpole Road hearing the same thing and coming yeah. to the same conclusions, you know? Interesting. And I'd say that's about a mile away. Um, about. Yeah. 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 From up on that hill down to, yeah. No. Interesting. Goddamn did, ghost train. Did you do some research into it too and you found some. Well, I tried to. So the most famous, so this was on the old um, Lehigh Valley Railroad tracks that went through Groton. Um, and there's a. The most famous passenger train um, was it was called the Black Diamond Express. And it was called that because it hauled anthracite from Pennsylvania, and um, but it also hauled passengers, you know. And uh, the uh, old passenger station, the train station, still stands in Croton. Yeah, it's not you know it's behind the ice cream caboose that building, that yellow building. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, I assume if it's going to be any train, it'd be that one. Yeah, and I guess for the listeners, there's no train that runs through that town anymore. No, the tracks have been ripped up since the 60s. Yeah. Now, I live in a town that's about 10 minutes away and the, well, 15 minutes away. And the train tracks here are still used, but it's like not close enough. It's over, yeah. Especially, it's... especially where the train tracks are located. They're actually, I hear train whistles every night here. I mean, I don't even, I don't even phase me, you know. But that's because the trains, you know, runs through here every day. Um, but I couldn't see that traveling that far. Well, and just uh, you know, it's just one of those things you got to be there. You know, because it's it's easy for people to say stuff like that. So here in Southwick, I can hear a train sometimes way to hell in like West Springfield or Springfield, you know, or maybe Westfield. Let me think. I guess it would be Springfield in that direction. But anyways, you know, sound does travel at night, you know, but this, you know, wasn't some sound from off of the distance, you know, this was right. great. Right there, you know, yeah. right in the blackness, right in town, I guess you could say, you know. Yeah, that's definitely, that's a good one. That's a good story. That's It was really cool. It was cool as hell. And you got some co- corroboration with those other guys. Yeah, too. definitely not something or anything I would have ever expected, man. Yeah. And uh, so to sort of tie in with it. It must have been the winter following that incident. Um, terrible snowstorm. 
you know, I don't know. I don't know how much uh, snow we got out of it, but uh, you couldn't see a goddamn thing. And uh, me and Jesse decided, let's go for a walk in it. Yeah, that'll be fun. So we did. And again, we go down the hill. We get we get down on uh, Cougar Street, and we're heading up toward uh, well, toward Walpole Road. So about halfway between the bottom of the hill and Walpole Road, we, uh, Jesse's like, "What's that?" And we look up at Chipman's Corners, and there's this ball of light, bouncing around up there. Hmm. What time of day? Oh, I don't even know. It was in the middle of the day, but you couldn't tell. I mean, it was it was a blizzard. It was a goddamn blizzard, snowing and blowing. It was it was bad. It was mm. bad. There were there were no cars, you know. Um. Yeah, just a ball of light up there, just bouncing around. Do do do. Holy shit! You know what the hell is that? Oh, let's go check it out. You know. So we get up there, and of course, there's nothing up there, and it's not like it, you know. I don't know. I almost—it's just like the the it, the light was there and then it was gone. I don't know. Right. You know, I didn't see it leave. It didn't go anywhere per se. It just was gone all of a sudden. Oh. And uh, so we get up there, and you know, of course, there's nothing. With all my stories, there's just nothing there. Right. But uh, it made me think, like immediately, of uh. Actually, I don't even know her name, but uh, you probably don't neighbor. say a name on the podcast, anyways. Uh, well, my my neighbor, uh, da- her daughter was killed there. Yeah, I know the name. Yeah. Um, but I immediately thought of her, you know, because yeah. it wasn't too long after that happened, you know, and I'm, I don't know, that was just the thought that popped in my head. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting one, too. It's like a little bit of everything, different kinds of things. I like to call it the Chipman's Corners, uh, Chipman's Corners Ghost Light or Spook Light. Nice. Yeah. So I got two different ones that my dad told me. And just to set this up, um, my dad's not a storyteller. I mean, he's not a... He's not that type of bullshitter. He's a bullshitter, but he's not like a make-up ghost stories or, you know, it, it stuff doesn't seem to interest him really. You know, if I guess it's a way to put it. Like, he's not, you know, if somebody tells you a story and then you're like, oh, this guy likes to tell, you know, tell his stories or whatever. My dad's not really like that. Um but he had two. He has two of the the best ones that I ever heard, and they were both from when he was a teenager. And f- kind of oddly enough, one of them is at that cemetery that we've talked about this whole podcast. So that cemetery's got to be haunted as fuck. I mean, so that's the first one I'm gonna tell. This one was at the cemetery. Um, they have a maintenance house shed thing, and like right in the middle of it. Um, and my dad and his buddies were there probably drinking, you know, they're 17, 18 and, um, there's four of them, three of them and my dad, four of them all together. And it's, uh, it just gotten dark 
he said, and the the light turned on the, from the you know maintenance shed. There was like a little light there. Um, so they're standing up against this brick, you know, maintenance thing. And uh, my dad said it wasn't him. He said one of the guys looked back they, at the because they weren't standing right up against it. They were standing near it. They looked back against the uh, maintenance shed and they saw five shadows, not four. There's four of them. And the guy's like, who's that? Look at that. And they all look and they see five shadows. Now, people know how shadows work. My dad said the other shadow was like right next to him. It was the same. It wasn't longer. It wasn't shorter. It was literally just another person that looked like it was standing next to them. But there was nobody there. And they freaked the fuck out and they took off. Because, I mean, it's spooky because. What else would you do? Yeah. Like, uh, you're not gonna, not gonna, yeah. There's only four of them there. They can all see that clearly there's nobody else standing right next to them. He said it wasn't pitch black out. He said it just, it was like that time of day, you know, probably during the summer, 830 at night or whatever, where it was just dark and you could still see around you a bit, but you could see shadows. And there was just a fifth shadow there right up against it next to them. And it wasn't like long, like somebody was standing down and they got confused. He said it literally, it was like somebody was next to him, but there was nobody there. So they took off. So that one's cool. It's not a, you know, it's not the craziest one. This other one is the craziest one. So my dad and his, and he told me the road and I, I'd have to ask him again. I, I'm picturing it somewhere off of Lick Street or Salt Road, like up in those, that area. Um, for people in the area that know, um, him and his buddies were out in the woods partying, you know, as he did in the seventies. Um, and there was four of them in a car. There was a guy obviously in the driver's seat, a guy in the passenger seat, two guys in the back seat. And I'm trying to think, I think my dad said he was the guy in the passenger. He was in the passenger seat. And there's two guys in the back and the driver. They're hanging out, talking. And, uh, you know, they're like I said, they're parked in the woods on this, you know, like probably a dirt road. Um, then all of a sudden, the guy in the back is eating a cookie. All of a sudden, a hand comes through the door. The door is closed. The windows are closed. A hand just comes through the door. And tries to grab the cookie out of the guy's hand, like goes for the cookie. My dad said the guy dropped the cookie, screamed. They all looked back. My dad had been looking back. He saw the hand. He specifically saw the hand come in. He didn't even know what he was seeing at first until the guy screamed. And he said the hand just kind of slowly went back out the, the closed door, not window open just 
you know, I tried to grab the cookie, the guy dropped the cookie and then it just pulled out. So obviously they freaked the fuck out and they got out of there. My dad said they looked it up. One of the guys was like, I mean, obviously it freaked them out. You know, they didn't have the internet back then, probably went down to the local library or something. I don't know how they did it. But he said that one of the guys told him a guy that owned the property around there had hung himself in those woods, like within the last like five or 10 years before, like somebody told the guy like, yeah, they found a body out there not that long ago. So yeah, that was, that's, that's the better of the two story. That's creepy as fuck. Cause they. That's cool. Of, Cause it went through the door, through the door. And he said three of the four people, the driver didn't see it just by his position, but him and the two other guys saw it. So it's like correct. How freaked out the driver was. Yeah, they were probably like, yeah, yeah, everyone's freaked out and he doesn't know why. Which in and of itself is freaky as hell. Yeah. So so those were my pops ghost stories. Um and again they were they weren't told to me like, you know, oh you know, here's a funny tale. They were told to me like they were real. So I might ask them about them again now and see if I get a different version or something. But that was those were the ones that you know he always told with a straight face. So yeah. Did you have any more stories? I mean I do. Um see I was in a, I went to Gettysburg with a mic and um we were gonna uh we went to the Farnsworth house and uh we we're gonna do the, the ghost tour that that night but it was raining so they decided to have a victorian seance in the basement which was awesome you know i was like oh this is great you know great consolation prize there and uh yeah we get down there so i don't even know what the hell it was they were doing because i spent my time uh trying to find whatever was touching my head uh, I wasn't even paying attention to the Zans so it was pitch black in there you couldn't see your hand in front of your face like dark right. and uh, something kept touching me on the top of my head like the you know nice and yeah. firm too nice and firm you know it wasn't Mike fucking with you it wasn't Mike fucking with me so it happened like eight times and after like the third time, I was as soon as I felt it, I'm up there swatting, swatting away. I'm doing this, you know. Yeah. Nothing. Wait for it, you know. Nothing, nothing, and just nothing every goddamn time. And uh, so the lights came on, and it's like, oh, that was cool, you know. And I'm like, Mike, I was like, you weren't fucking with me, were you? Like, like you weren't touching my head. It's like no, and I'm like looking up, you know, in the rafters. I don't know, trap door. Who the hell knows? You know, thinking maybe they do a little something to spook out the customers or right. something. You know? I didn't see nothing. Yeah, well, that's, uh, during a séance, that would creep me the fuck out. <laughs> when I figure too, like I said, it was dark, so 
you know, if someone were messing with me, it's not like they could have saw me. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah, true. It'd be hard to keep touching in the same area. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I couldn't see Mike. I couldn't see myself, you know? Yeah, that's pretty well. Um, any other cool ones, or do you mind to hit the deep dive? Um, I don't know. I'm sure I have more, but yeah, let's hit the deep dive. All right. So this is the deep dive portion of the podcast. We each um, looked into a story that was either one of our favorites or you know one of the ones we really liked. I have quite a few favorites, but this is these are you know famous ghost stories, real life ghost stories. Um, you know, I wish I I I tried to put a lot of time into it, and I kind of ran out of time. So there is more stuff with mine that I'll tell you to look up to read but um i hopefully i hit all the tenants um do you want to go first or you want me to go first yeah i'll go first okay so um i decided to um so i uh always went to this website um for years and years it used to be called ghost of the prairie but now it's called american hauntings inc.com hmm. it's run by troy taylor and Troy Taylor has always had like a top 10 most haunted places. And I, uh, since he was like one of the first, um, for me anyways, uh, big famous ghost hunters out there, I always considered his list to be the, the standard, you know? Yeah. So I went back to that list and it hasn't changed really at all. Um, but I did see one on there that I, uh, not very familiar with, so I thought I would highlight that on this podcast. And uh, it's, it's called the Yorktown Memorial Hospital in Yorktown, Texas. Hmm. So here is the story on the website. It says, tucked away in a small South Texas town sits a privately owned vacant building that was once the Yorktown Memorial Hospital. Built in 1950 and operated by the Felician Sisters of the Roman Catholic Church, the hospital remained in operation until it closed its doors in the late 1980s. It is reported that close to 2,000 people passed away in the building, and over the years, stories of strange occurrences have poured out from within its walls. Caretakers of the property often see and hear sounds emanating from within, as though the hospital were still in working order. Women crying out as if in labor, the groans of individuals in a great deal of pain. Disembodied conversations and shadowy figures moving from room to room are commonly experienced. Investigators who have repeatedly visited the building report encountering spirits who have identified themselves on several occasions and seem to recognize them upon their return, engaging in lengthy conversations via electronic voice phenomena and the use of instrumental transcommunication devices. Orbs of light seen with the naked eye have been witnessed moving about the halls and doorways of Yorktown and the activity within is no less active in the daylight hours than it is at night. Hmm. While no one knows exactly what sets this hospital building apart from any other, one thing remains clear. Yorktown is one of the most consistently active paranormal locations in America. Well, I think I've, I think I must have seen that on one ghost thing. It sounds familiar. I mean, haunted hospitals are 
not the rarest thing, but I, I looked it up, and the only one I could see that it was on is the one with um, the Ghost Adventures kid. It's not Ghost Adventures; it's the kid who was the cameraman who now has his own show, oh, okay. uh, Destination Fear, I think it's called. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Well, so, I have one, and I'm I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. You probably are. Um, my mine is the Tallman family haunting in Horicon, Wisconsin. Um, so May nineteen eighty seven. So not too many years ago, we were we were both alive. You know, uh, this took place. The haunting part took place between May nineteen eighty seven and January nineteen eighty eight. So it was like nine months. Uh, my two main sources for this. Um, is the October 1988 episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Um, it was one of their big episodes. Um, and the book Haunted Heritage by Michael Norman and Beth Scott. Great book. Um, yeah. And read this the, is read a, the whole thing front to back like several times. So you not definitely know the story though, because this is in there. Um, so a couple important notes. There's different accounts of this, depending on what you read and uh, what you go online. Um, the Unsolved Mysteries thing. So not to step on the story a little bit, but I'll get into the story and I'll tell you where there's divergence depending on, you know, the source. So spring of 1986, Alan Tallman, a 32-year-old foreman, and his wife, Deborah Tallman, a 30-year-old homemaker, moved into a ranch-style home on South Larrabee Street in the small town of Horicon, Wisconsin. They had two or three children, depending on what you read. Um, I saw both. Um, the three kind of makes more sense for, for the stories that came out of it. So... I'm going to go with it. They had three children. The boy was seven when they moved in. The middle girl, that's the one that she exists in some stories and some she doesn't, uh, was four or five. And then they had a baby girl that wasn't quite a year old. Um, the children's names were kept private, obviously. But for the story, um, the these, fake, these are the fake names. The boy was Kenny. The girl, middle girl was June, and the little girl was Marianne. Um, so this was their first home when they bought it. They thought it was going to be, you know, the home that they, they raised their kids in, and they paid off the mortgage. They got a good deal, it said, through um, some farmer grant. It was kind of like their dream home, you know. They This is a just to set the story, this wasn't a couple that was looking to keep moving from an apartment to apartment or anything. They, they lived in this area. They had friends and family all around them and the town or different. They're from there, you know? Um, so, um, uh, so at first, the first couple months, everything was fine on all accounts that, you know, they were getting used to the house and no problems. This is where the story really 
has two, you know, two separate twists. And according to the Unsolved Mystery show, um, there was there was these bunk beds that the the couple bought from like a used you know uh, store. Um, they bought them and uh, the husband put them together and put them in the basement, put the bunk bed in the basement and no problems, you know, those first couple months. Then he moves it to the, the boys room. Um, and that was in May of 87. Now the book haunted heritage does not have anything about the bunk beds. They have different theories that's more in-depth story with it. But I can see why the bunk bed thing was said too, because it kind of makes more sense in this to, to wrap the story. Um, and I'll explain that. So again, so there's either these bunk beds or there wasn't. But um, the first I'm gonna read it as if there was the bunk beds. So the first night that the their kid, their son, uh, Kenny, um, spends in the bed. Um, hold on here. Just want to make sure I don't miss nothing. Um, so Kenny went to bed, and this is in all the stories now. This, this supposedly happened. He said, you know, not long after his parents left the bedroom, his um, alarm clock, radio alarm clock turned on by itself. The dial started turning aggressively to different radio stations, back and forth, back and forth for, you know, just on and on. And then he ran to tell his parents and they, you know, calmed him down, put him back to bed and it wasn't happening anymore. And the parents didn't believe him. They thought he was, you know, you know, you know, kids have an imagination. So a few weeks later, Alan is down in the basement painting the walls. He, um, he goes upstairs for a lunch break. He puts the paintbrush down on a rag on the table. He comes back from lunch and the paintbrush is now in the can of paint upside down. So the bristles are sticking out of the paint. Like not how, even if you make a mistake and you said you left it, it wouldn't do that by itself, flip upside down, you know, in a little can of paint. So he's, that freaked him out a little bit. Um, not long after this, uh, June started, the middle sister started sleeping in the bunk beds, you know, which was the plan because they're bunk beds, two beds. Um, and right away, Shit started going crazy. She was seeing a red witch. She described it as a red witch that would stand in the corner behind where the door would shut. And the witch would like cackle, laugh, and then she would see fire coming out of the floor like it was the, the room was on fire. And then, uh, you know, when obviously she'd freak out and the parents would come in, there's no signs of a fire. Um, you know, there wasn't really a fire. Nobody was seeing it. A month later, 
Kenny reports seeing the same woman in the room, you know, laughing at him and and stuff. So, you know, at this point, they're a little freaked out, the parents, because it's happening to their kids. You know, even though Alan had the one thing going on, it wasn't, you know, a huge experience for him, which is kind of weird. So they call their family priest, pastor, it said. Um, so the pastor who was interviewed on Unsolved Mysteries, he goes in the house and he says, he's like, I can't even be in here. He's like, this place is, he just, he said it just felt like evil. Like the place felt haunted, you know, like um, he did not like the house. He told the family that, but you know, they're a young couple and they, you know, they put all, a lot into this house and stuff. So they, they keep going with it, you know? Um, <clears throat> oh, and I did miss this two months, you know, after they moved in and when the bed, bed bunk, blah, 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 bunk beds got put in, the, the family started, everybody kind of got sick and they were all feeling this whole time, none of them felt like healthy, you know, colds and just, you know, just sick and not feeling good. So at this time, after the right after the pastor visited, shit started going crazy in the house. Lights would turn on, doors would slam, doors would open. They'd start, they would all hear voices saying stuff like, disembodied voices and they'd look and nobody was there um you know it was just you know it was getting real and the parents were seeing this stuff too um so one night after a particularly scary vision by the the boy the father alan yelled if you want to fight someone fight me and anybody that knows like a poltergeist type of haunting, that is the wrong fucking thing to say, you know? So this was a mistake. So the entities or entity must've took this as a challenge because they started scratching him and like scratches would show up on his arms and his back and just like out of nowhere. He, uh, um, a few weeks later, after this was happening, January 7th, 1988, Alan returned home from work. He parked his car in the garage and he heard a growling voice say, come here. And he, you know, he went and peeked outside the garage. He thought somebody was outside talking and nobody was there. So he went, he turned around to go back into the garage and the wall of the garage was on fire. So he was like, oh, shit. So he ran into his house and got his fire extinguisher, came outside. There was no fire. He looked at the wall, no signs of a fire, nothing. So this was the first time he'd seen the fire thing. Um, then he goes back into the house to put the fire extinguisher away and his, uh, his lunch pail from work was now on the other side of the room like it had been thrown against the wall and all the shit was all over the floor from his lunch pail. And nobody else was 
up at the time so that all this happened. So it wasn't the kids playing around or, you know, doing this stuff. So um, after sometime after that, he started sleeping in the kids' room to calm him down and stuff and make him feel better. And one night, a fog appeared around him in the room, and a disembodied voice said to him, you're dead. And uh, so the wife panicked the next day and called the pastor again. Um, and the pastor was like, you need to get the fuck out of there. I mean, he probably didn't say fuck because he's a pastor. But, you know, if he was a cool pastor, he would. Um, but, uh, you know, and then depending on which story, the pastor said, get rid of those bunk beds, you know. Um, but they stayed a bit longer, you know, and so the final night at the house, the children were being babysitted by a male relative that was really skeptical. He did not believe in any of this stuff. He kind of thought the kids were exaggerating and stuff. And, um, he said, not long after the parents left, the house started going nuts Lights were turning on, on and off. Doors were slamming. Um, and then the relative, along with the kid, sees the red witch and sees fire all around her. And the relative's like, what the fuck? And he calls his mother up and she's like, get the kids out of there. Now go to your house. We're not, we're not going to spend any more time in there. Um, so the next day, the next morning, the father comes back to the house to get, you know, to pack their clothes and stuff. He didn't let the, the wife come or the kids. And he says he went in there and all the doors inside were open in the house. Every door that, you know, even doors that they would have shut were open and all the lights were on still all the lights in the house. And, um, only door that was closed was the basement door. And it was a door that they not, they didn't close. It was like one of those basements that has stairs. You just don't close it. It's just, you know, you go do laundry or whatever. And the basement door was the only door that was closed. So he was like, he got the clothes and they never went back. Um, they said, so this was stuff I found interesting. And this was in both stories. The family did not want this to go public and they did not want to become famous. They, they turned down tabloids. They, uh, movie studios wanted to buy racists. The only, the reason this got out was through word of mouth in this really small town. And it turned into a problem because it was like a game of telephone. So local people started saying that they had a gateway to hell in the basement, um, all this crazy stuff. So, you know, drunks and college kids and idiots started showing up, um, trying to get in the house. This is after they abandoned it, you know, to prove their worth and spend the night in this haunted house. And the cops had to eventually barricade this small, it's a small little dead end street. Cops had to barricade it and, you know, 
eventually the cops started arresting people and then that kind of put an end to it because they arrested people for trespassing and disturbing the peace. Um, the reason this whole thing came out and that they did Unsolved Mysteries was that the sh- local sheriff said, if you keep not tell- talking about this, people's imaginations are going to keep running wild. And that's where they're coming up with all the stuff. So you got to get out there and tell them so, you know, they leave you alone. So that's what the family did. They talked to one reporter from Milwaukee, and then they also did the Unsolved Mystery episode. So the family abandoned the house. That was in January of 88. They sold it in April of 1988. Now, if you believe the bunk bed story, they said they got rid of the bunk beds at some uh, landfill, and they burned them and just got rid of them. Um, And then the new owners of the house have been contacted a few times throughout the years, and they're consistent with this house is not creepy at all. We've never had anything happen in it. There's no issues with the house. Um, According to everything I read, the family, once they moved, they never had any haunting problems again. Nothing followed them. Everything was, was fine. So the bunk bed theory makes sense that by destroying the bunk bed, they got rid of the haunted item. Um, the book kind of has more of a theory that uh, goes with the Indian burial ground theory, that the house is on some haunted, you know, some Indian burial ground property, um, and that, that it was a house issue. Now, that doesn't make as much sense if you go with the fact that it was really during this nine-month period that it happened, and then it's never happened again to anybody else. So, right. so you know, I guess, you know. I've never been a huge believer in the whole Indian burial ground thing. Hey, but look what's coming out of Canada right now. Current events. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're finding those Catholic churches and stuff that were on massive Indian burial grounds. No ghosts, though. Well, I'm sure that shit will come out eventually. So, but, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting how the story changed a little bit. I just always liked the story. It was creepy. It was right around the time where those type of movies were getting kind of big. I don't know what year The Exorcist came out or Amityville Horror, but... It's very similar. Yeah. And, uh, it's like a movie script or something. The things I always liked about it is it really did seem like this family did not... They weren't looking to get anything out of it. And the, the stuff was like scary. And there's more to it. Read the book, I would say. And do some more research online too, um, if anybody's interested in that one, because there's there's some more stuff to it. I remember there was more stuff to the haunting with the with the dad that they real the once he challenged the ghost or the entity with the fight me thing, they really fucked with him. Is from everything that I I remember reading on it. So before I forget, I just want to do a shameless plug here. Yeah, um, you can you can read more about the stories of uh, 
the haunted uh, stories of, of mine and Nick's on uh, the latest magazine uh, by Troy Taylor called The Morbid Curious. It's the third issue. Um, you can find it on AmericanHauntingsInc.com, I-N-K, Inc., AmericanHauntingsInc.com. Nice. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, I told my story. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, I think we did it. This is a good episode. Um, you know, I feel like we could, uh, we could definitely hit more ghost episodes in the future too. You know? Yeah, totally. Obviously we told our, our, all our stories on this one, but there's so many hauntings and not all of them. Yeah. You got some more. So we left it open, but thank you, Billy, Adam, <laughs> Uh, you're welcome for doing the podcast again and uh, everybody remember subscribe rate review share the podcast I definitely would like some more rating reviews not getting a ton of reviews yet Um, it just kind of helps pop the it's you know everything on the internet is based on uh, that type of stuff so if you take the 10 seconds to do that or two minutes to do it It just helps the podcast anyways. All right. Catch you later.